Good morning. Um, welcome to the Leadership Talks podcast. My name is Wilka Nascimento. I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest, Dr. Erin Tucker. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Wilka. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you're super busy and I appreciate your time. Um, so today, I want you to give us a little bit of the big picture on where are you and uh, the great things you're doing. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I am currently, my name is uh, Dr. Aaron Tucker. I'm uh, currently in Washington, D.C. Um, I've lived here now. It depends on whoever listens to this to this podcast. Um, I've been living here now since 2017. I moved here in 2017 um, from Philly. I was in Philly uh, two years prior to that. Uh, where I was a professor at Temple. And then uh, before that, I was uh, in Boston for two years. I mean, since was four years. So it's kind of, uh, I always say that, you know, DC is kind of my last stop on the Acela, like that Amtrak train. Like once you get to DC, you gotta like change trains, right? So I'm like, well, this is the last stop on the Acela. So this is it for me, all right? Um, and, so, and so it's been good living here. My brother, my brother's lived here for uh, many, many years, but my hometown is uh, Chicago, Illinois. So I've, I've lived a few places between uh, Chicago and actually uh, being here in DC, but, uh, but, but it's been good. I definitely have uh, grown and learned a lot and, and it's been, uh, it's been so great meeting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to, you know, we met in a networking event back in 2019 and fun fact, like I had no idea that you moved here in 2017 because I also did from New York. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, very so you cool. New York. You came right from New York to, to yeah. To yeah. Yeah. But we met in a networking uh, event in <laughs> hospitality, and we were talking about back then in 2019 about the DMV Restaurant Week that you are a co-founder. So talk to us about yeah. that. Yeah. So I mean, um, amongst everything else that that I do, right? So you know. You know, it's, it's interesting. Titles are very interesting because uh, they kind of build, build, and uh, it, it starts at different times, but it's all part of the same person. And I think, kind of, as women, it's okay. You know, that's kind of almost like our norm. We always have like these multiple like layers that we are doing, and it just depends on where we are and what space. And it's okay. Like it's okay to you know have you know have all these um, areas. And uh, but be able to kind of connect it all. So um, I moved here in 2017 uh, to uh, be the faculty director of the Global Hospitality Leadership Master's Program at uh, Georgetown University. And I've been um, I both worked and uh, and started teaching in hospitality. So this was a really great opportunity to come he to come uh, to to DC and really oversee that program. It's kind of my first sort of like leadership administration program in, in, uh, in education. And so uh, while they, while doing that, um, I, you know, one of the things when I moved to a new new city, there's a couple of places. One, a couple of things I need to know. One, I need to know where to get my hair done. And two, I need to know like, where do I need to go to church? Um, you know, where I need to live and all that other stuff and food and all those other things, food, shelter, all that, yeah, that'll work itself out. But I need to know those two things. So I ended up uh, joining um, a church, uh, Metropolitan A&E, which is kind of like the sister church of the church I was a member of in Philly. And um, when I was um, actually at a, a, we hosted at this book event. And so this, uh, people were saying, oh, you know, Chef Tate, Chef Tate. And I said, oh, I said, um, you know, are you, you know, are you a chef? And I met 
basically Chef Tate or Ferrar Tate because we were both members of the same church. And so I said, well, you know, I really, I moved here. I really want to learn the restaurant scene. Um, I really want to bring, you know, food more into the curriculum. And he says, yeah, sure, we can talk about it. And so he was a native Washingtonian. So we ended up meeting and I learned like he owned a, a restaurant um, on H Street for like 15 years. Um, it ended up really feeling the effects of gentrification, but also feeling the effects of not understanding and having like the business, knowing where to go for business resources. So we found out we had this love for education. And so he was uh, training young people in, uh, in getting their food service license, their tips training and all that, serve safe. And, um, and of course I was in, you know, the, uh, the, the classroom sort of perspective. So we came together and said, you know what, let's try to get, do some education uh, for people in this industry that really, you know, this isn't just a side hustle industry. We want to really make sure that you can actually, that people know you can make a career, especially um, uh, African-Americans and people of color. And so we came together for that. And then I ended up reading an article in Washington city paper uh, about uh, Andra AJ Johnson. And so she was, uh, her area was, she was talking about just, kind of have bartending and the and and retail and the cocktail industry and uh she you know that was her specialty but so i said you know there's something about her i said i want to meet her so we ended up um uh, inviting her up and uh, she as well had a love for, for education her space was training but in the uh bartender world and once again how do you make this your career there's so many avenues to do that so that's what we came together for um, and so we were going to kind of like just we were going to focus on that. And then in 2018, there was a series of incidences that happened. Uh, there was a Starbucks. Uh, there was this case up at a Starbucks in Philadelphia where two African-American gentlemen, uh, the police were called on them uh, by the manager. And I guess that struck me because, as I mentioned, I moved here from Philly. I lived down the street from that Starbucks. Wow. So, yeah. So I knew exactly. I knew, like, I knew the people that were that, that generally, you know, would go there and stuff. And I was just so taken back because I was just like, what? Like, how is that even like, where do we where did it amplify to get to that level? Like, because that's not even that type of like location or place. And so that's sort of spring of 2018. There was these series of just stories um, about the treatment of uh, you know African Americans in the service space, whether it was restaurants or hotels. So you started to hear about Barbecue Betty and Coupon Charlie, and you know all of these memes that popped up. And then uh, the Washington Post wrote an article, and basically the article was kind of saying, you know, well, where are the black chefs and where are the you know owners? And it was just kind of like, well, what do you mean? Where do you mean? And so I, the, I you know closed the article and was like, what do you mean? Where are they? You know, I've been in this space for you know 20 years and I'm like both on the practitioner side as well as teaching and I said they're everywhere and especially in this market I'm like there's so much talent but we realized there wasn't a platform to showcase that talent so I started to do some research and I saw that there were black restaurant weeks like all over the all of the country the first one was actually uh, started in Chicago which is my hometown and awesome. um, I said yeah and uh, I said, you know, and so you know, I just started seeing, you know, there were just like different founders, different people um, that were that was starting them. And I just said, hey, is there a, a DMV Black Restaurant Week? I mean, was there a DC Black Restaurant Week? And so it was just kind of like, well, no. And then Tate goes, well, you know, really it's the DMV because most people don't, you know, understand it's really a metropolitan sort of thing. It's very, that's a unique factor here. And so I said, okay, well, let's go ahead and, and, and do one, start one. And so that's what happened. It came, it came as, a, as a result of being able to showcase um, you know, platform. And then we were going to continue doing our education throughout the year, which we had. But, uh, but uh, we, we went about it very differently. And so I can always talk a little bit more about that. But that's how it got started. 
That's amazing story. And, you know, I think uh, when you, um, I've been to Chicago and, you know, like I, when we met, I mentioned to you that, you know, I was in Harlem in New York City mm-hmm. and I participated and I'm a huge fan of the African cuisine. And there was mm-hmm. a African restaurant week uh, every yeah. year. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, you know, it's so funny, like for me, reminds me so much of the Brazilian food, you know, like the, the spices and the, and I was like, wow, who, how did I know that they cook this the same way grandma did in Brazil? So right. I think, you know, that's how I got, you know, to involved and, and passionate about it. And um, that's right. You know, how, how long now have you been uh, with the, this particular project here in DC? Yeah, four years. Yeah, I've been I've been doing it for four years. Um, I've had a company um, which was a hospitality, which is a hospitality consulting company called Loot Now LLC. Um, I've had that for ten years, um, and so I've always had that, but I never really did much with it. It was you know it's LLC I created to kind of keep like kind of this you know my 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 business kind of like a little bit separate from, from, from my work, other work life. Um, but uh, I use actually that as a joint venture with, uh, to create the DMV Black Restaurant Week uh, with, uh, with, the, with the other two co-founders. So it's really raised my uh, entrepreneurial uh, lens because I, I call myself um, the reluctant entrepreneur. Um, I'm not someone that pursued entrepreneurship. It was not, I mean, I knew what it was and I loved it, but it wasn't like something I wanted to like pursue. Plus I kind of had a, I had a business. Um, I've been one of those people that have had businesses and work before actually having an actual business structure. Uh, just because I believe that we need to solve problems. Like if there's a problem or in a gap and I can see a solution, let's just go do it. Um, and, uh, and, and like really it kind of got burned in my first sort of uh, uh, entrepreneur venture. So when I started my second one, I said, okay, I'm gonna actually make this a structure. <laughs> like I'm actually gonna register and do all those things. And so it has, interestingly enough, um, d- doing this has, uh, you know, with, with Black Restaurant Week, because we help, our mission is to, um, is to support and sustain uh, Black-owned businesses in the food space, um, the food and hospitality space, uh, by providing professional development and education uh, while creating an ecosystem, a food ecosystem in the area. So that has helped me really be able to be a much stronger business person because you can't help other businesses if you're not a great business yourself, right? So it's been a much bigger uh, uh, deliverable back to me uh, than just, just like, you know, the week. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's like uh, you said, you know, when you are an entrepreneur and you see the venues and, you know, like you need partners, right? You need to get allies, people that are, in the industry and it can show you, you know, or can be part of your project. So that's amazing. Huge, um, huge. But also I admire very much your work um, with Georgetown. Mm-hmm. So talk to us, how is the hospitality, the global hospitality program um, now? Um, I know mostly from last year, um, 2020 was everything changed and everything's online, but I do uh, follow you on LinkedIn. I uh, <laughs> keep in touch with everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, so if you want to share a little bit of, you know, what is on the pipeline and how you guys have been, you know, handling the international community and, and so far, it's a lot of questions about one program, but, you know, uh, <laughs> you can share with us uh, what you like. 
No, it's a it's a great question, and it is it's it's it, it is loaded with a lot because it's just it's so much. Um, so uh, the Global Hospitality Leadership Program started in 2014. It is um, housed in the School of Continuing Studies at Georgetown University. So if you go to SES georgetown.edu you can actually see our uh, our programs all the different programs master's programs that we have and so um we yeah, i came on board in 2017 so from a program perspective we're still relatively young like in the in the you know in the landscape of, of hospitality education i mean we're, we're definitely still still young and finding our, our our avenue but the thing that really makes us i think unique is that is the fact that we come from really a perspective of if you want to really come in and really test out your ideas um, to solve problems, to make the industry better, this is the program to do it. You know, this is a master's of professional studies. So it is um, very much applied this, you know, applied hospitality and business uh, education. So all of our faculty are at the director level or higher um, to that teach our classes. So you're getting taught sales and marketing by the, you know, head of asset management for RLJ or the chief marketing officer for interstate. I mean, you're actually, you know, getting the information from the people that are literally doing it right now. Um, so that really is just, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a, 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 a wor worthwhile experience to have that. Um, and in the last year and a half, I mean, with, with COVID, it's, it's just, it, things have come in so many different directions. Um, did, you know, I had, I was, I, I think I support you. I am fortunate to have a, to have a platform and a lens to really be able to help uh, people, but we went through a period, right? I mean, we have professors that are in the industry and some of them were furloughed. So I had to kind of work with uh, that listening and that lens and that support for, for, for them. We had some students that were of course working in the industry that were furloughed or some of them kept working. Um, and so like maybe like that first kind of 60 to 90 days, it was tough, but then we started seeing them like getting jobs again. And the jobs had to go and they had to really kind of change their perspectives. Like so many, so some of them were like, well, I really don't want to go back into operations again. And it's like, really, you need to go. Have you ever opened up a hotel? You're literally in an area which is opening a hotel at this time. You've never had that experience. Go do it. I want to hear it. Uh, another <laughs> one, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't. Uh, I got this opportunity at this high, you know, upscale hotel in St. Louis. Uh, do I really want to go to St. Louis? Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> you want to go there. They have hired you. Go there. And it was interesting because going there, you know, that particular upscale hotel had like a like a five percent occupancy rate, right? But because wow. of the company that this particular student was part of, they said, "Listen, we got to send us. We got to send staff out to Colorado." Um, because we, because it's just, it's, it's, it's just insane out there. So she goes from a property in the city that's 5% occupancy to a resort property in Colorado that's 105% occupancy. So she's getting her entire like capstone presentation, like a sex capstone topic change because it was just like, well, wait a minute, nobody's talking about this part. Like no one, everyone's talking about yes, which is real. It, it was these, it was these shifts. It was like, yes, in the urban areas, it was like 5% occupancy. But resorts, national parks, golf, uh, private clubs, um, beach it towns, was, yeah, it was beach towns, um, RV sales, recreation vehicles. So, are you, you know, are you? All of that was booming. Like it was just, so it was it, geographically, 
right where yeah. you're located. Um, I had, I, and so I started, so the whole point is that we started to like really serve as a, um, the program served as a space for people to have these conversations. So um, I found myself really speaking and talking and, and bringing people together um, in the Georgetown space, but then also um, in other avenues that to say, well, wait a minute, there's a lot of shifts happening right now. And I love the fact that we're a global program because some parts of the world were recovering faster than others. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm sitting with, with, you know, looking at, you know, the television in one, you know, avenue that everything's bleak. And then I'm up here working on proposals for tourism recovery, like in other parts of the world. So it, it's, as you can tell, I love what I, the, 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 the industry that, I, that I'm in because it's people don't understand that it's it's a lot of moving and shifting parts and really just lastly i'll say anything about COVID 19 that has really brought i think the hospitality industry we're very statistic oriented we love our numbers right you know we represent one in ten jobs nobody people are like okay so you know whatever but now it has shown how important we are how important our industry is um to 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 the to the movement of the world so yeah, to the economy. Yeah. And actually, you know, I think um, having this global vision and, you know, I I am from Brazil and I went home um, in August just, you know, for my birthday with my family. But to actually take, a, you know, jump on a plane, fly, you know, uh, internationally, come back. So all of that, you know, the experience, and then you're like, yeah, everybody's taking precautions, you know, and everything you see on the media, on the TV, um, don't go, don't do this, don't do that. It, it's just, you know, obviously a personal opinion of each and everybody, um, of course. You know, individual, but I had, you know, a chance to actually, you know, I stayed in Rio for a weekend and then I flew to my hometown, but tourism in Rio, is recovering really fast and uh, the hotel was busy you know they had like sports teams because you know then I'm, I'm a client I'm staying but then I'm observing too what's happening right and a lot of the domestic people you know internally traveling and I, you know it really um, opened my eyes you know like how this can be um, so successful if you focus on you know what is good happening right so like they even had um because like i'm a gold member and i stay at the hilton um copacabana so mm -hmm. they had like um you know these specials for the the gold and platinum members over the weekend and i'm like mm -hmm. oh my gosh this is surreal like in the u.s you uh -huh. do not have any thing during the weekend but you know it's just like the offers the amenities and they are trying to be um to make it attractive right and i think it's working the hotel was like 80 percent you know in august yeah um, so i i was very happy to to see that in, in in my country um but also you know talking about the global view here you know do you think um what is the statistics or can, can you share about what is the percentage of international students that you guys have? Or is there an opportunity, for example, somebody that is a local to go abroad and do a semester? How does that work, you know, for the listeners that are interested in the academia part of the hospitality business? 
Absolutely. Um, and we're even uh, growing in our program uh, to uh, have, you know, a, a, a whole separate offering. So for if you are um, international, if you're outside of the of the U.S., um, probably as of now, we're about 55 to 60 percent international students. So you uh, can come uh, to our program, uh, come right into into the DMV, to, to, to D.C., and really, you know, be with other students that are from really all over the world, as well as of course, local. Um, but that's also very much um, indicative of the fact that a lot of times internationally, you, a lot of people understand the, the, the importance of the economic factor of tourism. It's articulated very differently than in the U.S. In the U.S., we don't have like a ministry of tourism. So it, it, just the international audience really understands that and really wants to get that, that education. So we are exceptionally welcoming of, of international students um, to our program. So definitely, you know, look into that. Uh, domestically, for domestic students, a lot of the challenges have been the fact that really, it's not that they don't want to necessarily want the education, it's just that they want to kind of continue working um, while, you know, also going to school. And so we are, um, we are now uh, got the green light to actually begin an online program, as a result, kind of coming off out of COVID-19, where it was, you know, think about all the students, right, that had to go in and, and, and really, if they wanted to work, they just had to go move to other locations. Thank goodness we have the uh, the infrastructure set up to to have been able to go you know on on Zoom and have our learning management system Canvas all ready to go. They didn't miss the beat, uh, even if they had to move. So then it opened up this opportunity really for us to also be in the online space, which is what we're working on. So that a lot of uh, you know domestic students just you know they want to you know have it, but they need that flexibility. So it's actually opened up you know a, we have a lot of growth in a lot of growth areas, but definitely. Uh, uh, to any student, um, we are definitely welcoming and we're welcoming of really diverse and inclusive ideas. That's, I think, something that's very, very, you know, kind of different when it comes down to uh, to this program. Where do you and it's interesting. One example uh, was one student who was working in events and she finished the program during COVID. She finished right in the heart of summer 20. And so she wanted to go work for Convention of Business Bureaus. Well, guess what? They were not you know, hiring at that time. And so she said, okay, let me kind of look at this different because she really put together a really strong plan for marketing cities. That's what she did her, her capstone on. And so she you know, applied you know, for you know, more of the sales and marketing positions, but she looked a little bit of everywhere. And this tech company actually called her um, and said, well, you know, we saw your, your resume and you put on there you know, what your capstone was. So we'll talk to us about it in your time at you know, Georgetown. And so she went and she said she spent like 40, you know, 70 percent of her interview was talking about what she did. Um, for, you know, while she was at Georgetown and, and her capstone. And they said, well, you can, you know, handle marketing in the city. You can definitely handle marketing, you know, marketing what we have um, here as a product. And she is that classic case of coming, you know, getting her master's degree. And now she's, um, she's uh, doubled her salary. Um, and that's a result of the transferability of hospitality education, um, that the skills that you learn here, you can use uh, in multiple uh, industries. And you know, people can say that about business, but we, but it's a very different kind of concept where you're actually working in solving problems uh, that are presented right there within an industry is different um, as service and especially um, as hospitality. So we learn and we can go and take that and apply it to other uh, industries that many people can't do. Exactly, exactly. That's an amazing example because also I think, um, you know, when you, I also studied, you know, hospitality management back in Brazil when, you know, before I came to the U.S. and, you know, 
the opportunity of me coming, doing an internship because I had that, you know, uh, education background. So I think, you know, what my colleagues hear sometimes is like, oh, you know, I don't have to go back to school to work in a hotel. Sure you don't, you know, but if you want to get to the next level, um, you absolutely um, need that. And I, that's my next question. Um, you know, I'm talking about lately um, with a lot of uh, females, uh, women, um, that are very successful in the hospitality industry. And I wanted to, you know, take your point, your insights of what do you think that, you know, the women need to do uh, to get, you know, more, you know, um, representation on that boardroom table or in the academia world like yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of, uh, you know, books and articles on, you know, this, you know, uh, the, the, the lack of women, right? The lack of women in senior level positions and, and boards. Um, and I'll just kind of take two sort of, um, I think, examples that has been really beneficial, I think, uh, for me, but presented also a little bit differently for, uh, that, that I've also seen as common threads from, from, from women who are in those positions. Uh, one, um, I think that there's one thing called sponsorship mentorship versus mentorship. Uh, so there's a really good book. It was written a long time ago, but, um, and you can actually like uh, YouTube this, uh, the writer. Her name is uh, Carla, Carla um, Harris. And Carla Harris actually is the managing director at uh, who's that? Chase, at JP Morgan Chase, um, who wrote a book many years ago called um, uh, 10 Proven Strategies for Career Success. And she breaks down the difference between advisors, mentors, and sponsors. And so um, advisors are like those individuals that, you know, you get advice from, right? They, they're subject matter experts in what it is that you, you know, need to know. Uh, mentors are the people that know the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. Um, and, but they don't hold it against you. Uh, the center, at the center of mentorship is trust. Sponsorship are the people that know the good, the goods, and the good about you. And they have the power to be able to recommend and put you into the positions that you want. That's the part of the story we don't get. Uh, most of the time, women and people of color, get, we get mentored to death. Like mentorship is like this answer. And it's so interesting, even with younger people, they think, you know what, if, if I just get mentored by the right person, it's gonna make a difference. Well, no, mentorship is, it, it, first of all, you can have many different types of mentors for many different types of avenues uh, and areas. Mentorship, there's gotta be a two-way relationship here. It's just not the mentor to the mentee. The mentor has to get something out of it as well. And, uh, and it forms many times organically. Um, I have a, one of my mentors uh, that's never even worked in hospitality, uh, but has been a CEO of a few companies but because they were interested in hotels, met in this hotel space. And um, it, it kind of you know, started off as kind of like, well, okay, give me some advice, you know, because I might invest to a very much an organic, trusting, professional relationship because, you know, the workplace can get pretty hot, right? I mean, it's not all fun and games. And if I did not have that lens of experience for that person to know who I am, but then understand the scenario that I was in, you know, to, to, to get that, that, that mentoring to how to approach this, the right words to use, to not, you know, you want to you wanna come off, you want to come out of this, you know, looking like this, not like that, you know, um, has been invaluable. Um, but I also have other mentors younger, I have a mentor younger than me, younger than me, but 
the lens that we have um, has really come together. It probably was more started as a friendship and then it kind of grew into this mentorship and coaching, which has come still come back around in friendship. So it comes to so many different areas, but, but sponsorship is what we're missing. You have to make sure that you have those sponsors that are really seeing you. And then when it's time for that opportunity, they're recommending for that space. Sometimes that can happen in a mentorship relationship, but most of the time it has to do with sponsorship. And that's what um, I think a lot of women um, are kind of like lacking in that understanding uh, with that. So that's yeah. one area. Yeah, I am very grateful. You know, I had a great mentor, like on my very yep. first semester in college. And, yep. you know, like you said, it becomes from one opportunity to a friendship, to a lifetime coaching, really, you know. Yeah. Um, and this person, uh, Ricardo, you know, he is an engineer. He's never worked in a hotel in his life. He, um, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, attracted me to work with him is like, He's really direct and he sees, oh, I'm going to invest. Yes, you're going to invest X amount of money, but then you're going to get X, Y, Z. So obviously look at the numbers, it works. So, yeah. you know, having that other side, um, you know, of thinking uh, really, really helps me actually, you know, and I'm so grateful and I love him to death. That's the reason why I'm here today. And I, every time, you know, we almost, we talk almost every day now with, you know, all of the internet resources, but yeah. I also think, um, you know, even to this day, like when I'm working on a marketing project or, you know, a simple, whatever, you know, banner or flyer for the hotel that I'm at, or, you know, he gives me his insights and it's always a different idea. So, you know, I think having people supporting you and listening yep. to your ideas is definitely the way to go. But I, which, you know, this brings me to the next topic that I think it's also very important that women sometimes are a little bit shy is the personal branding side, right? Because mm -hmm. I promote the hotel that I work. So why am I going to share with the world what, the success that I've had? Or why am I going to be a little quiet about? I'm like, I have to say to, to the world, to people, I got to scream because there's not enough of us exposing our success, you know, maybe our, you know, also the challenges, maybe your challenge that you're having in a hotel is the same right. challenge that somebody in, in, in Barbados is having, you know, it's like, you never know. And then therefore, when you work together and you share your experiences, somebody else can relate, right? right. And what do you think about, you know, this piece of the business, the personal branding side? Yeah, um, you know, I have gone, uh, you know, back and forth with the term, even branding, because it was like, well, you know, we're people, not products or services. And, you know, that's just me over, uh, like, like, this, I just overthink and pontificate about things. That's just that academic side of me. This is the reality. Personal branding is number one. It is absolutely key because you cannot get sponsorship if people don't understand what it is that you're good at or what it is or where you stand or where your purpose is within there. And personal brands and whatever new kind of creative term somebody wants to, somebody will come up with something. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that's into this podcast. You know, it'll be another term, but um, but it is exceptionally important. That's how you get sponsorship because what is embedded in personal branding is that other term we now know and we talk about a lot which is authenticity you know that all your authentic 
authentic self is exceptionally important to how people know or can approach you or um, there's something that needs to be discussed, solved, answered, who do I go to? And so that personal branding piece is so important. And so with that, one of the, and I think that there's, I mean, there's once again, a lot of information on it. But I think that a couple of things, and I really, I really admire you with this, uh, with this podcast that you're doing. Um, one of the things with DMV Black Restaurant Week, remember I told you, you know, I had a company already, uh, but I wasn't, you know, using it necessarily the same way. Is that we've got one of the ways to really show your brand and your authenticity, authenticity is to create content. And I've been talking to women a lot of times. I'm like. Stop looking for something out there to fulfill you because it doesn't always work that way. And in some aspects, your job may not is not may not necessarily be the <laughs> the avenue you might need to look for for fulfillment. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> just, I mean, not fulfillment. I mean, do, do I think you should like I mean, genuinely you like what you do? I mean, some, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so many aspects, but it's not necessarily like a requirement for fulfillment. But what it should do is that you should then take this time to really create your own content and your own voice. And you just get, uh, you, it's just, it, people will then, are, are who understand that are attracted to that, right? You don't have to go out and seek it. You're just shaping that content around the and, and the great thing about your own content is that what happens if something else changes and I think about something differently? Guess what? Hey, you have the control of that. You control your story and your narrative to go, well, you know what? Two years ago, I thought, you know, I had a, this perspective and there's still some things, but guess what? Because of this happening now, I have a different perspective. So that I think is really, really, really key. I don't care if it's writing a book. I don't care if it's starting your blog, your website. Uh, you know, and, but constantly pushing out content that is yours is really, really important. Yes. And I thank you for, you know, sharing your, your thoughts about that and, you know, being authentic. It's like, uh, you know, when you work for hotel brands, you know, there is uh, one that is my favorite. They always talk about you hire for the personality and the skills, you know, you teach, they will learn, you will get it. Right. But it's like, how can you teach somebody to be friendly and spontaneous and willing to serve and help guests, right? So definitely, um, you know, the personal branding uh, in that particular world uh, in the hotel, but also, you know, like I have connected with so many people now through the podcast that I've never met, you know, and it's amazing how comfortable that makes you when you're speaking with somebody in the same industry. And obviously, you know, like I even um, had an interview with the impersonator of 007, you know, and he's not in the hospitality industry, but guess what? He does um, perform in events, um, James Staggart. So mm -hmm. next thing you know, you know, if I can help him to participate in an event, why not? So again, you know, I think it's connecting people and, you know, the industry, the hospitality industry is um, all about relationships like any other business. Absolutely. Um, and I really, let, I want to go back to, to a point that, that you made about, um, you know, we, uh, the, the traditional mindset of, of, of we, you know, we hire for the personality and then we can train you on the skill. Um, 
so this is my thing about that. If that is going to be our mantra, therefore, if that's if we're going to roll with this and we're going to continue rolling with this, then therefore we need to recruit in the way that we find those people. And we do not necessarily do that. We either wait on somebody to apply or we, you know, go within our own network to look for those people. And the reality is that, no, we need to seek those people in a variety of different avenues and areas. And so that personality and attitude is going to come from people who might not necessarily, you know, have had, they, they might look different. They might have different ideas. They might, you know, um, you know, don't necessarily come from that, but we need to do really, really well at recruiting people by coming outside of our shell, right? And 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 our mindset and what what does this person actually supposed to like look like and and speak and, and if the attitude is what we're doing, then that that we need to go find that, and that's a big, that's a tall, tall, tall order in an industry that is you know, always constantly dynamic and moving. Um, so I think that we have to definitely do a little bit better with that. I think that also, uh, if we're gonna go down that route. The other avenue with skills and development is that, I'm sorry, we need really smart people. All right, and I have no problem being in a higher education and not to say that education makes you smart because it surely doesn't. But what, but we do need, like, we can't be afraid of smart women. All right, we cannot be, a, we, women stop, 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 you know, holding back that you know something that you would share. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to take your idea and run with it. Like it doesn't mean, you know, that, <laughs> but this industry needs to go after exceptionally smart people. We need smart people, period. So whether you went to school, whether you didn't go to school, whether you got a degree, whether you got a master's, we need to pull ourselves away from the lens and go find me some smart people because we have real problems that we got to solve. And so like, look, like let's, let's, let's do it. Every other industry likes to steal smart people. We need to do the same. I love that. And that's absolutely, you know, amazing. And, you know, I think we can be talking here all day long yes, about yeah. our industry because we both, you know, like to talk, <laughs> but, well, uh, you know, <laughs> this was an amazing, um, you know, you. introduction. We can, you know, revisit and, and touch bases in the future as well. But definitely, you know, smart women like yourself um, have been very successful. And also we have to support each other, right? So I appreciate you yes. taking the time. One more time, you know, I'm really grateful. Um, and I will be um, sharing things on LinkedIn. So how people can get connected with you and learn further about what your projects and, you know, um, global hospitality in Georgetown. Absolutely. Um, you can contact me and you can follow me really um, on Twitter at Dr. Aaron Tucker, D-R-E-R-I-N-N, -N, two N's, uh, Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R. Um, I'm also, of course, on LinkedIn, uh, uh, the DMV Black Restaurant Week, which is always in November. We're in our fourth year. Please follow us. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, and, uh, and Twitter. Um, at DMVBRW. I know there's a lot of Black Restaurant Weeks, but Put that DMV uh, in there first for DC, Maryland, Virginia. Uh, DMV Black Restaurant Week always in November. You can definitely continue following us to see all the work that we do uh, year round. Uh, and you can also uh, please connect to uh, Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Uh, we are the Global Hospitality Leadership Program, and you can find us um, at Georgetown SCS or at or at GU Hospitality. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Erin Tucker. I truly appreciate this conversation and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Walker.